if the first episode of Loki has taught me anything, it is that bureaucratic red tape is the scariest villain of the MCU. <laughs> yeah, but them sets, though. But them sets, though. I, I was getting heavy Brazil vibes. I don't know if that's just a stupidly obvious observation to everyone who perhaps has actually seen Brazil. But Have, have you actually seen Brazil? I have actually not okay. seen Brazil. Oh, well. <laughs> but if we're talking about bureaucracy sci-fi messing... I was actually going to say uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. See, just, I think... That, I mean, very similar. Which I'm wondering if they got any kind of reference material from uh, from Brazil. No, I just think you've uh, you've hit the nail on the head that there's nothing that we humans fear more than waiting in line at the DMV, and we will make everything inevitably end that way. Eventually, yeah, <laughs> we will sacrifice creativity for efficiency. That is the true terror, isn't it? Yes, I'm so glad that we're getting our nihilistic views out of the way. <laughs> well, I don't think the show we're going to be talking about today is too nihilistic, so best to do that now. Uh, however, uh, I did love pausing. Very rarely do I like want to pause a Marvel movie or a Marvel TV show to like check out the Easter eggs, but they were they were so hard wanting to show that piece of paper and like okay oh you got me disney plus i'll pause it i'll look i'll see what all these little things are uh favorite part should we share the favorite part of that uh as long as it's not a spoiler uh that uh the show seems intent on making on continuing the canon of the comic where uh loki is gender fluid yes yeah uh it is now canonical that Loki is gender fluid. He's a freaking god. Why does it even? He's, he's a freaking god. Why do you have to like pick a gender at all? He'd be horse for all we care. He is oh. horse. Yeah, he is horse. <laughs> let's let's be honest. He could Loki be unicorn. Is, Loki is horse. <laughs> Loki had a horse. Loki, Loki was ch- a horse. Yeah, like, so there's like it's mythology, guys. Let's be silly with it, shall we? Orb and Loki is horse. <laughs> and he's Aaron. And she's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Oh, you always keep me on track, hun. Even when I can't see it, you see the path laid out so clear in front of us. Uh, and we are joined today by a very special guest. Uh, it's not a ponytail. It's not a cotton tail. It's 100% authentic ducktails. Woo! Woo. Rich, wonderful to have you back on the podcast with us. I think you have finally become our longest-running guest star not even close i'm sorry buddy not even close are you sure uh good friend of the show jonathan has you know what i think it is it's that the episodes that rich does with us tend to be our highest listened to shows and i tend to equate that so we can say quality over quantity in this particular instance there you go well i appreciate that i know blues brothers did well but i didn't even i'm assuming that the tangled they didn't get you guys too much heat for saying that was the Oh, no, Best. there's a funny story, actually, with that. Uh, our uh, Megan, uh, Liz's sister, uh, was uh, talking with her sons, uh, and uh, she had saw my post about how Tangled is better than Frozen. Come fight me. I'm both referencing that in the story, and I'm also saying that. Aaron's very antagonistic on Facebook. Uh, yeah. Um, I, F- Frozen's a good movie, but T- Tangled is just worlds better. Um, and, uh, Megan is just like, kind of, uh, like, yeah, Frozen's definitely better than Tangled and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, uh, hey boys, 
what do you like more, Frozen or Tangled? And like definitely leading the witness. <laughs> and both of her sons go, oh, we like Tangled. <laughs> and she just stares there, mouth agape. It was just, it was beautiful, beautiful justice. I don't think she's ever going to agree with you. Frozen 2 is like one of her favorite movies. So and, I don't And there's think... nothing wrong with that. She can, she can love that movie as much as she wants. She's wrong, but she... <laughs> no, we love you, Megan. Uh, no, and it was funny. She sent us a message uh, uh, about a week ago. That happened a couple months ago. Uh, she's, <laughs> it was, uh, do you want me to download the Frozen soundtrack for our road trip? And the boys go, yeah, we still like Tingled more. Like, with no prompting. <laughs> I've never been so proud of these boys in my life. Sounds like they're very well cultured. <laughs> yes, yes. Well cultured. So, plug party? Uh, plug party. You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. If you want to support us financially, you can follow us and join us at patreon.com slash married to the idea. Our website is married to the idea .com, and we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, we have passed our 100th episode and are now into new season five uncharted territory as we continue forward. I'm scared. I know you are, but be strong. We'll, we'll get through this. Um, we are actually in the process of making a new website. So if you have any ideas, uh, about how we need to change it or, you know, just get rid of it entirely. Mail that to 1234 Marriage to the Idea Avenue. <laughs> or throw it in the SoundCloud uh, comments. Send up a smoke signal. <laughs> how do you do emojis in smoke? <laughs> dot, dot. Dots. Like Lots present of dots. <laughs> and uh, obviously by the title and the multiple times that we teased it on the Facebook page, we are talking about DuckTales today. The best news article I saw about this is DuckTales is ending, which means it's finally time for you to start watching DuckTales. <laughs> it's the perfect time. Why have you not? You weren't doing anything else. I came home to find my husband eight episodes into season three without me, Rich. We watched season one and two together. I come home. He's like, oh, this is so good. I'm like, I, I know we've been waiting for months. Why? It's like, I didn't know you wanted to watch this. I it was livid. I mean, there's not a whole lot of benefits of being single, but one of the major is that I never have to wait for anybody to watch <laughs> something. Uh, I don't see, honestly, I imagine most relationships now are probably fractured because of <laughs> one person watching too far ahead. How dare you watch Downingdon Abbey without me? At How least, dare you? At least you didn't lie about it. Like even you could just say it was episode one, and we just I would have just never known there were seven other episodes I was supposed to have watched. Oh, I no, I I'm and I appreciate too, you didn't. This I'm the too honest, honest of a person. Yeah. Yes, it's totally honest. Yeah. Uh, we have so much to talk about in our episode today. We really think that you should watch this show, and we're gonna try to avoid spoilers when all possible. But we are gonna be talking about our favorite episodes and our favorite characters and a whole host of people who have worked on this show. So if you haven't watched it, go check it out. Season three is all uploaded. Uh, the season finale is a one big party. In fact, that's uh, what we all did, the three of us, me and Aaron and Rich, before we sat down, was watch that final episode to ramp our way into this. So uh, we definitely recommend you watch it if you haven't watched it get out of here because it's too late for you. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's such a great show. Please just go watch just it. It was amazing. It. This is okay, so we'll go unspoilery. Um yeah, for a couple minutes. Rich, Aaron, did either of you actually grow up watching the DuckTales original animated series in the 1980s? Uh, a little bit. Um I definitely watched uh a few episodes because I remember like 
watching the episode where they show them running across the the stones and it's falling like underneath of them from the the intro um i definitely saw a couple episodes with gizmo duck and um oh the annoying rich kid from the reboot um doofus trick doofus i remember seeing doofus in there a couple times um my my go-to was actually darkwing um so and i thought it was a little weird that launchpad was in both but you know, uh, and I feel like DuckTales, the reboot, just did a much better job of, like, connecting the two universes. Rich, how about you? Did you grow up with the original show? Well, <laughs> for anybody who listens, like, Aaron was not even a speck in his parents' eyes when the show released in 1987. <laughs> uh, unlike Aaron, I am very old, and <laughs> I, I was three when the first show, but I... What I really got into DuckTales because that was the VHS, you know, what we bought at the store. The Disney kid, you know, when he had the VHS tapes, the cassette player. I mean, I watched I'm all, all of it. So, yeah, I mean, I watched all of it like Aaron was talking about. I mean, it went from DuckTales into Darkwing Duck and Quack Pack and so many other that early 90s, mid 90s animation domination that existed. But DuckTales really set the standard as far as how kids spent their afters afternoons from school for me it was goof troop and tailspin i don't think i watched any episode of the original ducktales but i did watch the ducktales movie and i remembered that doing some digging for this episode today i had like flashbacks enter my brain like oh my gosh i do remember this film i thought i'd lost that memory <laughs> Tailspin was a great show, and I, I watched a lot of this stuff on, uh, you know. What a crazy re- idea to take reruns. Jungle Book, which was like, you know, accounting for inflation, like one of the biggest movies Disney ever made, and like we're actually going to make it into a delivery company sitcom. But like, it it really like, wasn't, and it was so good. <laughs> but it wasn't Jungle Book. It was just Baloo, Shere Khan, and Louie. Uh, that yeah. was it. That was I know. A- just just to take the characters, just pull them out. And throw them in this like it was such a weird concept for it to have worked out the way it did hey hey mac mac yeah uh we need to do something that's like magnum pi but for kids no jungle book yeah all right <laughs> i think you're describing uh freaking chippendale rescue rangers too which is another well, one of my yeah. that one i definitely watched i don't remember any of it but i remember loving it as a kid good that news. theme song still gets shows, me riled up good news all the shows we mentioned do make cameos in the new ducktales show. uh yeah yeah so far <laughs> even yeah. ones we haven't uh the gummy bears uh just gargoyles. like gummy bears. gargoyles yeah exactly so much basically almost everything from the disney afternoon yeah exactly uh making this not the avengers the most ambitious crossover except for uh mighty ducks well the, the, they're ducks already we can count that right ducks rock ducks rock uh <laughs> uh okay so we all know that some people are just very short-sighted and that the show is over before we get into spoilers do you guys think that the show should have kept going instead of ending this season now like i th- i I, rem- I know where i was obviously covid so i'm at home and i remember seeing like 
things pop up on my feed, like my social media feeds and stuff like that, talking about how in the words at that time were being used that, that Disney had canceled. And when you listen to the show creators, they were just saying it hasn't been approved for a fourth season. Nobody's canceling us. There's just, we're wrapping up the story in season three, but I was shocked. I feel like if you watch the season, you clearly got the sense that they could have done more in another season. But when you think about how other things have come to an end, I felt like this is about as a well wrapped up storyline because like, and I'm sure you all remember there wasn't a lot of continuity in old cartoons. Like every episode was its own standalone like adventure. And then next week you just start up again. Like something else is going on with this particular show. There is a continuity that runs from the very first episode all the way to the last. And so it's really great when you binge it because by binging, you see all those threads that carry over but I watched all of season three in um, at each week, and it was still one of the most enjoyable experiences. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of making it not just a vehicle to sell toys. Like, they did a really good job of having, especially, okay, let's talk about the big, big reason this show is so good. The three brothers are distinct individuals with their own personalities, not just color carbon copies of each other. Which is funny because the first time that they really did that was one of the like lesser rated and known shows that came out in the mid-2000s, Quack Pack. That was the first time that the each individual had a at least a distinctive personality. may not be a great personality, because I remember watching the first two episodes of that, and like... This show is not good. I want it to be good, but it's not good. They're each individual, but they're each a stereotype. Yes. Yeah, they're all J- Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas from uh, Full House. Not Full House, Home Improvement. <laughs> but uh, to use it, someone else, someone better at writing jokes than I's joke. Um, it's, it, but it was very good to see that and to see that they do each have a very distinct personality too you know the adventurous the studious and the, the conniving types oh it was awesome to see uh the entire spectrum of the D moral alignment chart <laughs> be represented with these three brothers uh, one brash and goes for it one follows the neutral. laws to the t and one whatever uh, they can do to get their way lawful the neutral they're all of the neutral, but yes. they're the lawful, true neutral, or chaotic neutral, and then chaotic good, or chaotic neutral, again. Either which way, they're all very different. You, you went all gobbledygook on that chart. You made it backwards L. <laughs> I wouldn't call Dewey true neutral, because he's not. No. Um, but maybe chaotic good? Uh, no, that would be Webigail. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's lawful good. <laughs> With a little twinge of chaos, but not enough. Uh, we get so many characters back in this show that I did not think we would see again. Uh, most surprisingly, I think, was Duckworth, which was just like fun to see how that like factored into the actual storyline. Uh, really sweet. Really sad. Really sweet. Well, and, and like on the Duckworth is, like they never really intended to bring him back. 
because like Miss Beakley served that role and they didn't want to compound it. But so many people asking like what happened to Duckworth, what happened to Duckworth, and they kept teasing like, oh, he's in the the credits, like you, he's there, and like so all of these people are like just expanding, like looking like frame by frame, and sure <laughs> enough, he's the the spirit that haunts that the mansion. And it's just an, it's it's a way it's a clever way of having a redundant character, but still being honored and at least recognized in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like um, that they the that they included most, if not all, of the original characters, but revamped them to be a little bit more original, to be a little bit more distinctive. Award or, for most improved goes to Webby. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, when you start at rock bottom, <laughs> let's be honest, it's it's tough when you have the, a lot. You have so many of these characters. So like, okay, we already have some sort of characteristic for them. So how do we continue with it, or how do we make them better? And they found ways on every character. You know, from the main characters of Scrooge. I mean, even Scrooge. How do you improve Scrooge McDuck? And they did. They yeah, made David Tennant. Well, that too. Uh, God, that and too. And he now. has always been the choice. Like when they knew they were doing the show, like I believe it's Alan Young who was the voice of Scrooge McDuck, and he passed away in 2016. Um, but they always intended for David Tennant to be the new Scrooge McDuck. The thing that I really appreciate about the show is that Scrooge isn't the vehicle for the show. In the original cartoon, and in, and let's all give credit where credit due. I mean, Carl Barks is, I mean, he is the father of all things that are foul for Disney. And <laughs> Donald Duck and Scrooge McDuck, all his creations. But, like, for the original show, it was Scrooge. I mean, that all I remember, I mean, everything, that's why you didn't pay attention to the nephews, because they had no personality. They were just aspects to the story. Whereas Scrooge was, like, the main central focus. In the show, um, they do such a good job of expanding on the nephews, Webigail, but even, like, some of the minor characters in Gyro and uh, Fenton, and even like just the obscure characters like Feathery, who's in it for a couple of episodes and um, the, old, the one, the lucky one. I can never remember his name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Not Quentin. Um. Uh, but in, either way, and I'm sure his name will come at some point because right? that's one of those things on the tip of your tongue. Well, Rich, like, you're not kidding. Like There are thousands of characters in this show like. I cannot keep them all straight. Even just going through, like, who? Was... Yeah, I remember that one episode from season two from and, three and, years ago. And they pull stuff from the comics. Like, it's not just the show and the movies. They like they're pulling things like Hortense and you know Scrooge's family. And it's like you you really get the sense that who the the creators, the team behind it, it wasn't just a way to you know sell toys, merchandise. It was actually like these guys watched the shows and were inspired and they wanted to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah. And Rich, you mentioned the comics, uh, Aaron, I know that you fell in love with the art style for this show. Oh yeah. I, I have a soft spot for, uh, for really for like the angular kind of styles. Uh, you know, I've always loved like, um, fairly odd parents. Um, but there's, there's a few other shows like this that have that kind of angular style without it being, too angular for 
to everything looks sharp and everything like that. And comic book inspired yeah. with the coloring and the costuming. Gladstone. Gladstone. Yeah, it's and you can definitely tell they took a lot of inspiration from Carl Banks's original illustrations and comics, um, but gave it a new twist and brought it into the 21st century. And it just it looks it's such a it's not a unique style, but it is at the same time. It's a very welcomed style, uh, and the the overarching stories are amazing. And well thought out, too. Like, it doesn't feel like they're like, okay, well, what's the current trend? Tiger. So we're going to put a tiger in this episode. Or, hey, let's have an adventure to a snowy place. Like, hey, we're going to have an adventure to a snowy place for a very specific reason. Or, like, hey, let's go to space. And there's a very specific <laughs> reason. It's just, they, the the thought, and, and then they bring this whole other character that wasn't, like, was so minute that like didn't appear in the show and was barely in the comics and just made them into this amazing well-rounded character that i I actually cared for and 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 in all honesty you can say that for a lot of them but i'm i'm talking about one specifically that i'm gonna kind of leave in the shadows for the moment but the there's so many characters that like donald duck uh the triplets webby uh of the main characters that they just said, Hey, what if they had depth? What if they learned and grew throughout the series? Like you don't look at Huey, Dewey and Louie in the first episode. And then the third episode and say that this or not third episode <laughs> last episode and say they're the same people. Cause they're not, it's uh, like Huey is a lot more uh, rule breaking and wants to like the junior woodchuck. Yeah, he's not rule breaky. He no, follows he, the rules. He follows the rules, but he knows when to break them too. Whereas in the original one, he was all about following the rules. Dewey does still jump headfirst into things, but he's not. He knows when to hold back and look at the situation. And then Louis has compassion that he didn't have in the first episode. Yeah, you're right. They all become better, and that, I think it should be that way. And they become better in ways that fit their characters. As exactly. opposed to just, everyone should be this kind of good all yeah. the time. Yep. <laughs> um, I actually do have a, a fun little game that I thought we could play before the halftime. Sort of a quiz for uh, these two movie masters. These two <laughs> IMDb miners. Uh, I thought we could play a fun game. Uh, I have a set of voice actors here. I am going to give you a list of four voice actors... One of these voice actors was not a voice actor on the new DuckTales series, and you have to figure out who it is. Bonus points if you can tell me who the other voice actors play in uh, the new series. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to fail this because I'm awful when it comes to remembering And voice I'm actors. probably going to take the goal on it Outside anyways. of the main cast people, like even like the... Uh, the just this obscure, but we'll give this a go. Um, so what, what we sh- what we should do is you we guys should... can work together. Huh? It can be a I, collaborative I gonna, uh, effort. No, no, no! I want to compete. <laughs> like uh, Rich has to come on here and compete to stick with this guy. Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna get the phone out. All right, I'm uh, no, no, no cheating, no That's cheating. A cheating move, Rich. Uh, you can't just open a phone on our podcast. <laughs> uh, so I think what we should do is, is we'll take a second, we'll take a beat to think about it. And then we'll each say what our answer is, and then you, then you tell us what it is. 
Okay, yeah, take your time. No worries on this. I have a couple of them. Uh, each one is a mixture of really easy to guess and then not so easy to guess. So hopefully it'll be <laughs> pretty obvious. Let's find out. All right, so our first foursome. I'm going to give you four voice actors. One of these is not a voice actor on the new DuckTales series. Jack McBrayer. Doug Jones. Henry Winkler. Christopher Lloyd. Jeez. See, I know two of them for certain. The other two are. Can you can you repeat the whole list? I sure can. Doug Jones, Jack McBrayer, Henry Winkler, Christopher Lloyd. Man, I've got my guess. I think I do too. All right. Rich, what what's your guess? I'm going with Christopher Lloyd. Actually, I'm going to double down. I'm going to say Christopher Lloyd as well. Good news. While Christopher Lloyd did play Murloc the Magician in the DuckTales movie, he is not in the new DuckTales series. You guys are correct. I know J- Jack or, uh, McBrayer. He was the cricket. Yes, who played uh, Pass. Christmas. Christmas Pass. That's yeah. correct. Um, I know Henry Winkler was the judge, the dog judge. Correct. Or the dog bailiff. That's right. Or the Barcliff. Uh, yeah, I don't know Doug Jones. I know who Doug Jones is. Oh, you should know who Doug Jones yeah, is. Yeah, everyone should know who Doug Jones is. Um, but I can't think of who he played. Uh, he played. Uh, when I tell you, you're gonna be like, that makes sense for him. Uh, he was the demonic clown and the wear duck from the Halloween episode. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because Spike is in it too. Yeah. Uh, good job, guys. So you guys are uh, tied one for one right now. Excellent job. Let's move on to Technically our... Technically two to two because he got Christmas pass and I got uh, the Parkliff. All right. Well, as long as someone's keeping score, I'm just here running down the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our second grouping. John DiMaggio. Martin Freeman. Maurice LaMarche. John Hodgman. Okay, I think I already have my answer. Oh, one more time. John DiMaggio, Martin Freeman, Maurice LaMarche, John Hodgman. I mean, we all know John DiMaggio, yes. He literally has done everything. He's like the ultimate voice actor, especially for Disney. Yeah, but... So is Maurice. Yeah, but we're trying to figure out who wasn't. I know. That's the problem. So I've got a guess. I was going to say, I went first last time. You go. All right. I'm going to go John DiMaggio. I'm going to go with Martin Freeman. Oh, I know for a fact that he was in it. Oh, see. So let's see. We'll walk it down the list. Uh, John Hodgman played John Rockerduck. Oh, you're not going to let us guess who the characters are for extra points? Well, you're both wrong, so I'm not going to let you guess anything. Oh. John DiMaggio played Strongbeard. Martin Freeman played Poe Dispel. And Maurice LaMarche, while Count Roy in Duck and an Iron Mask from the old Ooh. series, was not in the reboot. Uh, I shouldn't. I, I, John DiMaggio is in everything. Ma- Maurice LaMarche is almost in as much things, but I should have stuck with my gut. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I knew he was uh, Rocker Duck and then uh, Poe Spell because it's really funny because Martin Freeman. <laughs> All right, shall Watson we? Watson from Sherlock. Yes. Shall we do one more yeah. final round? See sure. if we can have a tiebreaker? Okay, give me a sec. 
All right. Our final list. Bill Farmer. Jim Cummings. Jason Marsden. Kevin Conroy. Oh, jeez. Well, two of them easily are. It's like, the, if I know it, I'm for sure Aaron knows it. I know my answer. And you cannot, even if I'm wrong, you cannot say, I know each of the. We need a tiebreaker, so no, I'm not going to say anything. Can I phone a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to phone me? Probably. (laughs) Aaron, what's the answer? I'm going to pull the Aaron on this one. You run the list one more time. Can do. Jason Marston, Bill Farmer, Jim Cummings. Kevin Conroy. All right. I, I'm going to go first this time. Even though I loved him and Batman, but I'm like 99% positive that Kevin Conroy is not in this. I'm also going to say Kevin Conroy, but I can name all the other characters. All right. You are both correct. Kevin Conroy was not in this. So. Well, clearly, like, to be honest, my favorite Disney character of all time is Goofy. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I remember as a little kid, like I, I, I evidently like according to my mom, I cried when I saw Goofy, at, like the, the, the character at Disney World, and like he has always. I like used to have a Goofy watch, and <laughs> I love Goofy. Like I just so you know, Bill Farmer, is. I mean, thank God he's still around and still doing the voice. <sighs> yeah, I, it's gonna be a sad, sad day. I might actually have to do like a candlelight vigil. <laughs> if and when he passes so Rich uh, got one yeah Aaron. Bill, Bill Farmer definitely plays Goofy uh, in the episode of Quack Pack um, <clears throat> uh, see it was Bill Farmer Jason Marsden who's the third one Jim Cummings Jim Cummings returns as uh, the actor who played Darkwing Duck in the original TV series let's get the terror that flaps in the night um, now because I know it's Drake Mallard and then it's Jim something because it was named after him, um, but I forget what his Starling Jim Starling. There you go. Uh, but Jim Starling, he plays Jim Starling, uh, who actually uh, big ass spoilers becomes Negaduck, which I thought was so fantastic. Perfect little cherry on top. Uh, so, and then Jason Marsden actually does appear as uh, the two dog henchman of uh glomgold in the first two uh, episodes or the second episode at least he doesn't appear again and apparently they were thinking about bringing him in as max but uh they decided against it uh for con- or for story because it was already pretty convoluted for the episode of quack pack well congratulations aaron you did a very good job on that your voice recognizing skills are uh, unparalleled, and for that, you get the bonus question. Oh, all right. There is a character in DuckTales called Alistair Borswin, who is a parody of your favorite director, Christopher Nolan. What character, what voice actor plays this character? Hmm, let me think about this long and hard. Edgar Wright. Ah, uh, see, I can't stump you. <laughs> no, I thought it was hilarious because uh, Edgar Wright does play a Christopher Nolan parody in an episode called The Duck Knight Returns. And Edgar Wright was supposed to direct Ant Man. And it's just, it was, it's so 
goddamn meta and fourth wall breaking. It's ridiculous. I only have one more fun fact to share about the voices, and then we'll go into the halftime sponsor dome. Sounds good. Uh, there's only one actor that I could find who. Uh, now there may be more, but the one that I found was most interesting is there's an actor who was a voice actor both in the original series and the new series, and that was the voice of Webby, Rusty Taylor, who returns as young Donald's voice in the reboot. That was she wasn't the voice of Webby, she was the voice of the triplets. I'm so sorry. See see, you know, you know. Yeah, you know. no, the, and that's that's uh they they the uh voice of Launchpad actually campaigned to get his role back. But they decided to go in a different direction, which honestly I think is a little bit better. Because I loved the original voice actor. Do not get me wrong, but this is a completely different launch pad this time. I would have loved to have seen him maybe as like Launchpad's father, or some somehow related to him, or at least bring him back. But um, in the same way that uh, Captain America had both of the original Captain Americas uh, at one point in the first movie. Um, but it was still played by someone else. I think it was good to have a new person. So, well, and of course, look, we had mentioned Alan Young earlier playing the original Scrooge. Like the and the intention was until he, but when he passed away, was that he would be brought back for like an episode just to be essentially like Scrooge's father. Yeah, who was played by uh, the gentleman from Highlander and uh, Preacher, and I can see him, Graham McTarnish, McTavish, Mc. Yeah, he's in uh, Hobbit. Yep, that too. <laughs> you know, for those who actually watched that movie. Yes, all three <sighs> films. Two sponsors enter. One sponsor leaves. We enter the sponsor dome. Aaron, who is our reigning champion? Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash idea to get started. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Liz, tell us about this week's or this episode's book. Uh, well, I continue on my very stupid quest to read 52 books in 52 weeks. Uh, and I have to recommend last week's book, which was a book that I convinced Aaron I had to have over two years ago. And it's been sitting on my shelf ever since then. But now, good news, I have gotten to two years ago chronologically in my to-be-read pile. So I'm going to be recommending The Golem and the Genie for our book today. It was a really, really cool story. The back... Uh, page really intrigued me and it kept going from there. Uh, the idea behind it is that it tells the story of two immigrants to America. Uh, one is a golem, which is a creature made out of clay uh, who loses her master at sea and has to forge her own destiny when she gets to New York. Uh, the other is a genie who has been trapped in a lamp and is then released but still bound in human form. Um, the golem finds refuge in a Jewish part of New York, and the genie finds refuge in a Syrian part of New York. And so it's all of these cultures just working together. It's a two-person perspective book, which you know I really, really love when they have both characters talk from their own perspectives in different parts of the book so you can get a fuller experience of the story. It's told really elegantly. It's human and sad and spectacular and fantastical. And 
by the middle of the book, there were 17 different main characters and I had no idea what was going on. And then, and then the author just wove it all together in the last 20 pages. And it was an awesome experience. Uh, I highly recommend it. Aaron, the author's name for... Helene uh, Wecker. Wrecker. Um, like Wrecker without the R, the first R. Wrecker, Wrecker. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I tore through it. I know it looks big. Don't worry. You guys can do it too. Yes. Uh, if uh, The Golem and the Genie by Helene Wecker. Um, it is narrated by George uh, Gildall. Um, and it's about 19 hours and 42 minutes. So you can get that free if you go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. Our challenger today is Tom Mason and the Blue Buccaneers. Why, Aaron, that sounds weird. Uh, you've never talked to anyone, talked about anyone like this. Well, you would be correct. Tom Mason and the Blue Buccaneers are actually a musical act that go from Ren Fair to Ren Fair. Now, see, Aaron, you have brought up pirates before, so I think this is incredible. Oh, yeah, out of I brought the up the festival, but I've not brought up like a musical act like this. <laughs> um, and uh, Tom uh, has been a uh, staple of the pirate festival out in Harriman, Tennessee uh, for quite a few years now. And uh, this specific year, he and I talked a few times, and I'd asked him for a sticker um, before the end of the fair, which I completely forgot. Because the last two days, a lot of stuff happened, uh, including a fight getting a broken fight. up by yours truly. Um, I happened to mention it to Tom, and he sent me out a sticker post-haste through the post. And um, I very much appreciate it, so I figured I would talk about him. He has some amazing music, and his crowd, uh, he gets his crowds pumped, and uh, he gets up, up on stage at one point to dance. Um, there's a song called... Uh, talk like a pirate day and i forget the 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 one that where he gets everybody up and that's usually his show closer but he has his violinist who does tap on a piece of wood and he plays a trombone he gets people up and singing and dancing and it's just it's a great time so you can check tom mason and the blue buccaneers out on their facebook page um i think they also have a website with some merchandise um and i've recently found them on title so if you want to support them and actually listen to their music that's a good way also if you go to a fair and you see them go see their show it's going to be a good time i promise you so that's tom mason and the blue buccaneers and i just want to add for anybody who doesn't know Aaron, for him to talk about a musical, anything that doesn't involve ska, should definitely pay attention to this because I am now intrigued because, yeah, I mean, if you know him, it's all about ska. For something else, definitely it piques my interest. Well, if you like pirate music or <laughs> she sea shanties and that kind of stuff, then yeah, you'll love Tom Mason. <laughs> also, uh, ska is my life and it defines who I am. <laughs> He said, with his black and white checkered belt waving proudly in the breeze. Skanking into the night. <laughs> All right. Hop! Hop! Pick it up! Pick it up! <laughs> Speaking of picking it up, let's get back into DuckTales. Um, I think we should uh, kind of... We're not like trying to end right now, but we should end the episode with our favorite episodes and then favorite character and that's gonna be a hard choice i know well then let's back it up to best villain favorite villain ah hmm i think i'm gonna have to either go magica dispel or 
shaking your head at me. There's uh, only one right answer to this. Uh-oh. If you say Glomgold, I'm going to smack you. Glomgold is the greatest <laughs> villain. He that- is the <laughs> dumbest joke villain that could ever joke. He's the perfect commentary on all of these, like, just dual aspects of characters that we've seen. Just because really what at the base of it is, is just unintelligible uh, redundancy in characters. It's like, oh, Scrooge McDuck is Scottish and a billionaire. We're going to copy him and do the exact same thing. Because I remember him in the show, and he was so serious. In fact, that he is anything but in this show just makes him such a perfect foil. Because there are some serious elements in the show. I mean, you watch Finding out his backstory when he becomes good for a time and Which would is, rather have his memories back and be terrible and awful than just be happy yeah in original source material he was south he was south african he wasn't scottish so it's kind of funny that he like morphed into this kind of uh character that he created himself but i to me i, I we haven't got to the best episodes but glom tales was <laughs> originally going to be my favorite episode because i just there's something that's so meta about his character and how they presented him in the show. I, I don't know. All right. So Aaron, why is magic a dispel the best villain? I, I always enjoyed her, uh, her villainy against Scrooge himself. Um, I feel like she's a great foil to him, both as a character and with her powers, because he doesn't necessarily not believe in magic, but he believes in more so of the the power of friendship, uh, power of the heart, <laughs> power of the mind, power of the spirits versus just raw power. And she believes in just raw power. Um, so I think that uh, Magicka and honestly, I find her funny. Glomgold is funny. I'll, I'll easily admit that. But he, he, he wears thin after a little while. Magicka has a great complex story with her niece that she creates out of nothing um, and uh, becomes like her shadow and, and Lena becomes this amazing character. So there's, I, I don't know, like Glomgold, Glomgold is Glomgold, but uh, Magicka just to me is, is just a more well-rounded and better villain and character for this. Uh, for me, the the least anything of anything are the Beagle Boys. Like I can't even with them. There's there's nothing. But the, for uh... me, honestly, um, Mark Beaksley, I think he's a good villain because <sighs> he's almost too real. It's a little too unnerving to see a tech giant just like, I'm taking it. It's mine. I'm gonna sell it back to you. I will step over anything and anyone to continue to be the number one trending thing because. It, it it's it's so real there's they do some really intimidating stuff with him that way and the way he just coerces people because he doesn't have powers he literally just has money he's batman if he were evil uh, there's something and, uh... <laughs> there's something there's something just a little too unsettlingly real about the, how they develop his character it's a very lex luther sort of villain to my knowledge um i was going to say both magica and glom gold too so i had to think of someone else but third villain <laughs> mark beaksley uh they were originally going to name him mark zuckerbeak oh please God, and, yes. and th- their legal department was like no 
no, don't do that. And they're like, oh, fine. What about Mark Beaksley? Okay. We'll accept, we'll take this. I do. I did love the episode with uh, Ma Beagle and all the Beagle boys. And you just see like the Third Street meanies and like uh, the Cirque du Soleil, the, the creepy be- Probably Beagles. easily the scariest, like freakiest thing you've seen. And you're just like, oh, man. I don't know. They test the limits in the third season a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about uh, Manny just regenerating a head out of muscle. <sighs> the headless. This this body. entire season, there's like, if there's say ten episodes or twelve episodes, eight of those twelve episodes are like have at least one of those moments. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, if we have our best villains, who is the best character. Uh, gosh. I won't throw you under the bus this time. Or not throw you under the bus, but <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we shouldn't even say Scrooge because, like, I mean, that's kind of like a cheaty. I feel like if you're going to look at certain characters, I, I felt like the character that I identified the most with was Huey. Um, I I just, I a, a lot of who I am, I saw myself a lot in. But I would say the probably the character that I enjoyed most in this whole series has probably been. <laughs> this kind of leads into my favorite episode, but Launchpad McQuack. Uh, what uh, Beck Bennett did for really a just a joke of a character that was in you know, um, Darkwing Duck and the original Ducktales, really brought out a lot in this character. And like the last episode really to me came full circle because you saw his value and his worth, not just as a sidekick and a chauffeur and all this other stuff. I mean, he literally is probably the heart and soul for that family, even though he has like a mysterious past with all these girlfriends. (laughs) Those two random episodes like, no, I must go. I'll but, never see uh, you again, but that's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, he's the character that when I watched on screen, like, I enjoyed, I laughed as hard as I did. And, like, I thought really that they handled a, in my opinion, when you have these, like, really 2D characters, like, not a lot of depth, trying to build a depth of something like this where they're only on screen for, what, what, maybe five minutes of an episode and you're trying to build something off of that, I thought they did that as effectively as they could for what is screen time compared to the other characters. With Launchpad, I don't know if this is your favorite episode, so if it is, stop me. Um, but for me, when he gets the smart ray and goes and like saves the world and then sacrifices himself to save it, like it, that was one of the times that I cried while watching this show. Yeah, like I you, truly felt. You, you got my episode, yes. That's... Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, I didn't mean there's to more. There, there's more to that than just that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was when we were talking about the best episodes. Like I looked through, and there's so like, easily ten episodes that come to my mind, and it's like this is the episode that to me stands out above all the rest when it comes to what really I think. <laughs> aspects of that show trying to do so but anyway that's who i choose that i think launchpad easily is the most enjoyable likable character on that show and and also at least we now know your your episode as well um all right liz since you spoilers yeah (laughs) since you since you uh kind of stepped on rich's toes why don't you go ahead so we can step on yours it's gotta be lena 
Oh, oh. I love her Interesting so much. Choice. I think of all of the villains turned hero, she gets the most development. And I love me Azuko. I love it <laughs> so hard when a character who we are supposed to hate just like is rather likable and enjoyable. And you get why the characters love her and you get why the betrayal is so hard. And then the sacrifice and her amazing rainbow bright magic powers that she acquires through her own skill through the her power eyes of turning blue freak me out i don't know what it everything else is fine when her eyes turn blue and that <laughs> it would have been better if her the rest of her eyes were blue and then like that was white or even black <laughs> but just the fact that like her irises are now blue it just freaks me out <laughs> uh it was that it was a tie between that and Della Duck, to be honest, because I really empathize with Della a lot, just on this moon for so many years trying to make it back. I, I her struggle was so relatable. Uh, but for me, I think Lena is the most fun because once she finally turned and sacrificed herself, I didn't ever once doubt her in a way that so many hero villains turned heroes. You're like. But they might be persuaded. You never know. Um, I yeah, just... like even um, uh, Zuko had a, a couple moments where he went back. So, yeah. I, I... Just, just being curled up just as her shadow following her around is like. <laughs> I do like that the three of them became like this like sisterhood and like. This and coven of witches, you mean? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> and like uh, major spoilers, uh, the 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 next two April, or, um, May and June like became like this this group of girls that are like, you know, would do anything for each other. It's Magic really nice. <laughs> and w especially because Webby started with like nobody and then attached herself to the boys and then, and then Lena and so on and so forth. So it, it was great to see all of them come into this, this great group of friends and uh, family. So who is your favorite Aaron? Well, funny. You should mention Della. Oh yeah. Della has got to be my favorite. Um, I love, I love like sorry, like the way that they the very beginning of this show were like mom and I'm like, I'm sorry, we're gonna learn about the origins of yeah. these boys' mother. Like that was not a thing I thought they were gonna like even bother touching. Like you're you're like, okay, this is not a bad series, not a bad series and then they end with that. It's like that it's that last little jab of the hook to really get just get you like, oh, that's what this kind of series is gonna be count me in <laughs> uh i love Della. i didn't think i would like her as much as i do uh she she gets she is so spunky and um and just happy to be where she can be and it's so nice to have a female character like that and Paget brewster who vo does her voice does an amazing job i've seen Paget brewster in other roles like in Community and um, oh, there's something else that she was in specifically. And she did a great job in, in those. But there's something about her in this role just sh that just shines. Like it, they could have maybe stunt casted it a little bit more. And I'm glad they didn't. Kind of like when uh, Donald has his actual voice and it's Don Cheadle. Yeah. Um, or not his actual voice. I'm sorry. He, that His regular voice is his actual voice. Uh, when he is more clear to understand. I love her relationship with the boys, uh, with Donald, and her her relationship with Scrooge. I mean, it, it Della was Scrooge's first daughter, essentially. So, um, it, it's so uh, it, it was so so great to see a character like this that could be funny, could be serious, could be kick ass, 
and also still be herself. And it wasn't like she was trying to be a different character. She was herself. And I think not having as much of a basis to go off of, um, I mean, even like they did a great job with Daisy with Tress McNeil reprising her role as Daisy and Daisy was still a great character for the three episodes that she was in. So <laughs> I, I bet if they had continued the, the series, there would have been like a whole episode of those two going on a date and hijinks and Sue, um, which would have been fine because that's a great setup. But I, I, I gotta go Della. Della, Della is, uh, my bae. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would take flying lessons with her any day. So, uh, so we do kind of need to wrap up. So, uh, we already kind of know Rich's favorite episode, but we'll give you an, uh, an extra couple uh, moments to talk about why you love. Let's count down right double now. Double O five, Duck. Four. Sorry. <laughs> <coughs> you already got me out of coughing and everything. Um, yes. Let me get the episode title. I know we're. I, I just said it. Out. Double O Duck. No, it's more than that. Man. He wants to look at more. Let him. Let the man. I'm, I'm surprised Jason Manzoukas didn't, uh, uh, as Steelbeak, uh, pop up for you. So the the title is Double O Duck and You Only Crash Twice. Uh, excuse okay. me. <laughs> so, in all seriousness, like, the episode stands out to me because, one, it's got the birth of the Rescue Rangers. Which oh. is so important to me growing up as a child because that was one of the really the first shows that I mean I remember watching on television and everything. But, These two gum <laughs> shoes. But the me, of course, why I like Launchpad is in when he out there with Dewey, like the when Launchpad becomes incredibly smart and he becomes basically like what everybody's voice is for this show, which is like. He understands where his place is and he understands like how odd of a situation that the family is always in and how like everybody is really always at risk. And so by having that thought process, he sacrifices himself, he sacrifices a life where he's probably way better off in every which way situation that you can think of, but he sacrifices all that for the family. And when we talk about DuckTales, the thing that I think is the, 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 the theme from every season is that every character in this show has that journey to discover who they are and what they are in this world, which I think is by far, you would argue to say it's probably the most relatable human, um, almost question. It's like, we all ask like, what's our purpose? Who are we? What are these things? And like nobody in the show at the beginning, they're all somewhat fractured. And if not lost and even Scrooge McDuck, who will always tell you that he's smarter than the smarties, tougher than the toughies and sharpie sharper than the sharpies. But he finds out who he really is, which is not a businessman and not smarter, tougher, uh, sharper than everybody else, but he's a family man. And at the end, every single one of those stories kind of comes to that same, what is this even the right word? Coalescence, like the right ending that you could think of for the show, which is why I think the way it ended in season three is almost actually as about as perfect as you can do, uh, for establishing what they were trying to say. But for this episode, for that brief period of time, he is actually conscientious of this moment. 
and he's sacrificing all of this aspect of it because at the end he realizes that it's not about him. It's about everybody else and the people he cares for. And it's like the humanity, the, um, the simple, uh, vulnerability. You just don't get that in cartoons. It's so hard. It's like why I, when we talked about this, I've compared this show to avatar, the last airbender. And as far as a actually groundbreaking, um, emotional pulling television show that's way deeper than ever had the right to be because a lot of we've all grown up watching cartoons that have zero impact on whatever we think down the road but i would hazard my bets to say that those two cartoon series will stand up over time i would definitely put this in the echelon uh with like avatar and uh gravity falls um and there at Shira, there's so many shows that have been produced in the last few years that have become benchmarks for storytelling not only in kids uh animation or kids shows but in filmmaking and television making in general because people like there there are people who are looking at Avatar the Last Airbender the original animated show and saying how can we make our show like that not make our show that but make it like that. And it's, it's ridiculous that this show, this little show from Nick has just had such a huge impact and it's, it's, it is ridiculous, but it's also amazing to see. So yeah, I completely agree. So Liz, what is your favorite episode? Uh, there were a couple that really stood out, especially in season three. Um, I really enjoyed the meta sitcom return to how DuckTales used to be episode just, yeah, just for all of the nods to what I remembered for Bill Farmer showing up for just the meta-ness of like, who are we performing for? And then just to turn and literally see the fourth wall is gone. The terrifying humans. Oh, like, so that one was really good. Um, I really enjoyed Aaron was excited to show me this one. Uh, the wrestling Ragnarok episode. Uh, so good. And I just recently got into wrestling like a year or two ago. So I'm still new to this. But even I could tell that you can't just beat up the defenseless kid. The whole audience is going to turn on you so fast. Um, but my favorite one is actually back from season one. And it's got to be the finale, the Shadow Wars, the part two Shadow Wars. It's so good because for me, I still see it so clearly in my mind because it was the first time I felt like Scrooge was beatable his family could fall apart. I think the show's really good at every one of these seri- uh, season finales, like really make you feel like they are not going to make it out of this. And it takes a lot for kids media to do that because you know they're all going to be happy and you know they're all going to make it and you know they're all going to be good. But, you know, for a minute there, not everyone did make it. It was really terrifying and sad and scary and it looked like Magica was going to win it all. And at the and then at the cost of her own life, how Lena helped. Like, it was just really, really nice. And I felt it not only worked well for uh, Lena and for Webby and for Magica and for Scrooge, but just the whole family realizing that they could be together. They could come together with their whole extended family, too. It wasn't just them. It was all the people that they'd met along the way that all came together, which, again, kind of echoes how it's going to keep going every time it gets, the family gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, for me, I think that is just like the highlight of this show. I just, I just love that two-parter so much, and 
it, it really sticks with me. Um, in one thing to kind of return to why I liked uh, Magica, her design and animation as the the shadow of Lena was so good. It was so creepy, but it also had like that bounce and uh, fluidity of like you know cartoons and uh, that they normally do. And they did get me to care for her just just a little bit when they were weighing Scrooge's soul, and it's like yep. you could have stopped him. You could have stopped her brother from flying out that window, and you didn't. And she never finds him. That's so sad. <laughs> and she's evil and heinous, and she did terrible things. But it's so sad. <laughs> it, it is incredibly sad. And it's just, um, and even with the revelation of that episode, he's like, oh, no, you know what? I'm wrong. And it, like, shows that he can grow and everything. Um, but uh, I think this episode definitely has a little bit of Doctor Who to thank for. I mean, David Tennant has a lot of Doctor Who to thank, meaning his future wife, you know, um, becoming a, a more household name and just being able to live out his boyhood dream, essentially. Uh, but I think this one reminded me a lot of the end of his saga as the 10th Doctor. Um, he, uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen Doctor Who, I do recommend watching the show. Um, it can get a little much at times, but I still really like When it. I watched it with Aaron, uh, and our friends, cause they would want me to get into it. Uh, every episode I would like sit back and like breathe really heavy. I'm like, they can't all be this heavy, can they? They can't all be the end of the world, can they? Like, yeah, they kind of are like, damn, that's like, that's like, like watching three movies in a row. Like breathe <laughs> give me a moment <laughs> it is very uh, they do very much get intense but um at basically near the end uh david Tennant or uh, his doctor becomes almost powerless he's just this like kind of husk of a uh, of a person and uh um only with like the help of his allies does he be able to regain and you kind of and like things are like happening like people are dying and uh, you can see you kind of see that with the uh, the the Shadow Wars too. So, um, and I, I think it's a great episode too. Uh, and just to see Lena kind of really step into her own a little bit more. Um, my favorite episode is not nearly as poignant as as your guys is. And it's just kind of funny because uh, Liz shows one from the first season, Rich from the third. And I was like, oh, I already know what it is. It's from the second ep uh, second season. And like, I kind of wish I had taken a minute to look more, but <laughs> I still, I, and we've First already. First impressions, give it to me. Well, I, I, we've already mentioned the episode uh, in this, ep uh, since we started talking and it's the, the Duck Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, it's more for the Dark Knight references and like the obvious Christopher Nolan uh, parody. For me, it's uh, Launchpad, you know, showing his uh, his fanboyness. Uh, it's um, Dewey and Launchpad's friendship throughout the whole episode. It's uh, this newcomer who this actor I had seen him in a couple other smaller roles, and now that I notice him, I see him more. Um, he was in Arrested Development, and he was also in the. <laughs> <sighs> the Christmas Story musical live that they did, he played the old man. He played the the father character. Okay, um, that's the the guy. He also plays Mickey Mouse. Funnily oh, enough, in the fine. in the newest uh, iterations of him, uh, but Jim Cummings coming back and being Jim Starling 
and just seeing the 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 slow descent of Jim Starling and the slow ascent of Drake Mallard and like you have these two great characters who and this is what my this is the reason I'm the most disappointed this show is ending without some other plan happening because Jim Cummings as this person becoming nega duck in a situation where it could have been something or not even a situation but uh essentially was the creation of clayface uh from the batman universe which darkwing duck is very much a scarlet pumpernickel uh uh green hornet batman um zorro kind of out amalgamation um but jim cummings just doing a great job and like returning to his roots as Negaduck and it was just so good. I love the new costume for Darkwing. Um I love the the Let's Get Dangerous episode. That one was really well done too. And you get a new character of uh Gabby who it was who was already a good character in the show, but she has more depth and truth be told a little bit better acted by a uh, uh Stephanie Ruiz. I forget what her last name is. Um Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Stephanie Beatrice. Beatrice. Um, but there's uh, there's so much goodness, and this is the first episode where we get to return to Darkwing Duck, even though we had seen uh, some episodes uh, in previous, uh, uh, or we got to see more of Darkwing in previous episodes, but it was just the show. So um, I that that has to be my favorite episode because of just. There's a lot of fanboy, there's a lot of fan service, and it but it's well done. And <laughs> and I'm sorry, Edgar Wright as a as a DuckTales version of Christopher Nolan is just <laughs> fucking genius. Oh my gosh, there was so much good casting in this. Every time I got more like Allison Janney being Goldie, which is oh, just yeah. so good. Probably an underrated character. Like I was actually somewhat disappointed that she wasn't in the last episodes because she you yeah. see her but she doesn't talk. She to like me, she's in one of the boxes, but that's it. I kind of feel like either her schedule interfered. Like to me, that, that was just such an obvious omission because of um, how she and Scrooge yeah. deciding not to because you, you know Scrooge is never going to be the guy that settles down, but you know he, he, that's the closest relationship he ever had that would ever you would argue to say be serious and to maybe give you a little hope. I remember back last year, they said that November they'd talked about how there's going to be a Darkwing duck reboot coming to Disney plus. Yeah, but I, I I have not seen anything that says otherwise. And I would not doubt because DuckTales has been streamed a lot and it's been talked about a lot. I would not be at all shocked in some way, shape or form. I can see them maybe even just doing like a limited series, like with WandaVision <coughs> and uh, Loki and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. But I don't see them fully returning like how they did with DuckTales, which is really sad. But DuckTales was super popular and well done. And they were just like, well, but no. I take a Gargoyles reboot. <laughs> I would take one too, and we kind of got a little taste of that, even Just with a little bit. Keith David returning. Of the apocalypse. <laughs> I live again. 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 <laughs> that was 
Oh, it's beautiful. Just yeah. what a great joke character from like the very first couple episodes to be like, nah, this is important actually. And, I mean, how do you sell that to him in a pitch meeting? It's like, hey, we're not really, really, really doing Goliath. But, but if you gave him hooves. And you really only have like six lines total. But easily be one of the most reckon- like easily one of the best aspects of that, those last shows. The yeah. humor is so on point with Manny. Anytime the subtitles come up and he starts clopping his little coconut hooves together, like I can explain. I'm like, just stop <laughs> shut, it! <laughs> shut down the dangerous machine. Which one? <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. It it's like so good. Uh, it. And that's what that's one of the greatest things about the show is, is it is about the main core of Scrooge, the boys, Webby, uh, Launchpad. But as soon as you start going uh, even one to five steps beyond them, these are great characters. These are well-written episodes. This was a great show, and I'm sad to see it in. But it will certainly live amongst the gods of children's Animated television shows like with Avatar, Gravity Falls, uh, She-Ra. There's just there's so many uh, Steven Universe. Like there's just so many that it, it it is keeping good company. Easily probably one of the shows that won't ever have a problem going back and watching and knowing that I will still enjoy it. And to be able to share it with your kids, like oh yeah, we have this so much with our live action Disney remakes. Like no one, no parent should show their kid that first before the original animated version. With this, I could see people just showing them the new series. Like it stands on its own, and it's so beloved. I think you could start it there, and you wouldn't be all the worse for wear. I mean, I try to show it to my child. Um, unfortunately, she's way more interested in squirrels and other things. <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know me, the child is actually my 10-year-old dog. Uh, and she does not care about television at all. But um, she she's... does tolerate me and my uh, interests. And she's just so damn cute. <laughs> I mean, I am biased in that, but it seems to be somewhat universal. And I don't think I would like offend anybody by saying that they would rather see her than me in any photo <laughs> why do you think we do an auditory only experience exactly yeah i've always been told this is this is definitely a voice made for radio never for tv <laughs> well you got that deep tomra for it mm-hmm. so well rich we appreciate it so much for you coming out and uh talking ducktales with us Woo. yeah i know it's like i always want to continue to go to that theme song like that I, new theme song so good it's really good i'm disappointed that they didn't uh there's this ska band named suburban legends who did a really great ska version Gosh, of it just constantly dropping the and ska just version. in ska and ska and but ska, and ska, and ska. I, i'll say this as we wrap up this episode when i was on the fence about this because i thought it was a joke i really did when they first announced they were doing this and i was like this is just a cash grab how many times have we seen things that we experience as a children and seeing it on the big screen in any some form or medium and it was like this is what this is this is just some repackaged like very superficial whatever but or do it again but worse (coughs) Mm -hmm. like Teen, I know people have some people have a soft spot for Teen Titans Go, but Teen Titans Go is a slap in the face of the original. Yeah, like even Dorothy Explorer, they've redo it, redone in like in a 3D format. She looks awful 
Oh, that wasn't made for three dimensions. <laughs> and then, you know, you have Taylor Swift, who re-recorded all her music, and it's even better. So, you know, easy come, easy go. But when they released that updated theme song, and I was like, even though it wasn't the original, it was just a flood of emotions and a flood of nostalgia. And I was almost, I, at that point, Chris, like, when you hear who the cast is, whether it's Bobby Moynihan, Danny Putty, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Sh- or, um Yes. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Ben da- Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. And then ben David Schwartz. Tennant. And I can never say her name. Oh. Fantastic British actress. Jamel. Jan- oh, yeah. The the one who I was telling you about last night. Yes. Kate Micucci, uh Beck Bennett. I mean, and you could go on. And this is just the main cast. It's almost like they knew the character. And were able to perfectly place them with the person that they knew could bring it out the best. And I, once I saw that, I was on board, watched that first episode, and I knew right away that, like, I just needed more of this. And I just wanted to see the story. And you get to see so many things that expand. And it's almost to the point where, and I know this may be heresy for some people, I don't even want to watch the original. I think I'm kind of the same way because, like, I've uh, uh, of the episodes that I saw of the original, they were good. I want but... to preserve what my childhood, what what my child brain saw at the time. Yeah, don't make you us know. go back to that because we're we're gonna find it wanting. <coughs> so, and it's funny you bring up uh, Kate Makuchi as uh, Webby. Uh, she's done some other television shows, but she was a part of a, a comedy duo for a little while called. Uh, uh, Garfunkel and Oates, oh, yeah. uh, and the other half of her her duo was actually one of the other uh, was May. Uh, ah, I knew really? it. Yeah, I, knew it. I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a lot of fun. So, um, but speaking of fun, Rich, it is always a joy to have you on and to talk way too long about this stuff. With this you. is just natural. Like the podcast don't even like do justice with how long we can just continue to talk about literally anything. <laughs> I've had a temper not only myself, but I've also had a like, and we're going to cut rich off here. And, uh, <laughs> well, and, and this is like, will be the final thing I say. I do not know why you guys continue to keep having me on. I really don't, but I enjoy every minute of it. And that's the reason why I like listening to y'all's podcast because it's really tough to listen to somebody for an hour just to talk about literally anything, but listen to you all like just having that conversation makes it so relatable and more enjoyable. And so just to be a part of it, it's just, it's almost like kind of playing in a playground i mean you're like i can't really believe i'm doing this well we appreciate that and we appreciate you being a third of the voice because sometimes it's hard for each of us to be a half of the show we need a little less work on our plate and she and i will both go into rants and it's just and we can tell the other one's just getting bored because they're just (laughs) on the phone on their phone or looking or looking at something else so they can go on to a rant and the other person is just a vicious we won't say how much of this podcast we spent on our phones we didn't we didn't no, Aaron not did, really. as then, always. Then the next thing we're going to have to do is discuss what's like the, the greatest Muppet movie ever made. <gasps> oh, I know Aaron and I are very much on the same page with this. I don't know, bud. You're talking about Muppet Treasure Island. I'm talking Muppet Treasure Island. No. Okay, maybe I thought you were all on Aaron's board. Aaron's going to go Muppet Space. No, no. Yeah, I love Muppet Treasure Island. Like anything Brian Henson. So, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet uh, Treasure Island, and Muppets from Space is probably my number one. Mm. But. But it is strictly nostalgia. Like I, my aunt got me that movie for Christmas one year, 
and I watched it like three times in that first week. Yeah. I loved the the humor is so me and like just it, it's and it's so tongue in cheek in a lot of different ways. But is it the best Muppet movie of all time? No, but it's my favorite. Well, next on Married to the Idea, Rich <laughs> and Aaron discuss what is the best Muppet movie. Oh, don't don't tempt me. That's a great idea, my friend. <laughs> Uh, well, until that fateful time, he's been Aaron. She's been Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to the idea. idea.